Well, today we have a lovely portion from the book of Ruth, in which Ruth reassures her mother-in-law that where you go, I will go, where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. And these words, they come after both Naomi and Ruth had experienced losses. As the story goes, a man named Elimelech left Bethlehem and Judah during a famine and settled in the land of Moab with his wife Naomi and their two sons. And while there, Moab, in Moab, Elimelech died and Naomi was left with these two sons who had married Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. And when Naomi heard that the famine was over in Judah, she decided to return to the village of Bethlehem. And while on the way, she told her Moabite daughters-in-law that they should go back to Moab. Orpah did decide to return. And this has been Ruth told her mother-in-law that wherever Naomi went, Ruth would go too. It's a great story of faithfulness and love with individuals from two different peoples, Judean and Moabite. And one of the nuances of the story is that the country of Moab and its people uh, had a bad reputation in the eyes of the people of Israel. Uh, it was believed uh, that the, the Moabites were descended from the incestuous relationship that Abraham's nephew Lot had with one of his daughters. And then, you know, we think about biblical morality, there's some bad stuff uh, in the book of Genesis. Uh, there was also a general enmity between Moabites uh, and the Hebrew tribes as the Hebrew tribes settled in the land of Canaan. And so Ruth is a foreigner from a people with an immoral origin story. And yet there is hesed, which is the Hebrew word for love, loving kindness, faithfulness, and loyalty between Ruth and Naomi, which Ruth demonstrates by going with Naomi to Bethlehem. And as Naomi will demonstrate later in the story when she encourages Ruth's relationship with Boaz. And I encourage you to go today and finish uh, reading through the book of Ruth. It's, a, it's just a great, great biblical story. And then love. Love is the topic uh, for the discussion between Jesus and one of the scribes. The scribe asked Jesus, which commandment is first of all? And Jesus said, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. You know, they go together. If you love God, then you love your neighbor. And then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher, and then repeats more or less in agreement, but in agreement what Jesus had stated. And then the scribe adds, this is more important than all whole burnt offering, offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus heard this, he told the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So if we want to be near the kingdom of God, it all comes down to love. Loving God, loving our neighbor. Love is our first and most important value. All the other Christian values we hold are derived from this one, whether it's compassion or reverence or worship or anything else. It all comes down to love. Cultivating love for God, cultivating love for our neighbors. And yet, we have trouble sometimes loving our neighbors, especially those who are different than us or those with whom we disagree on the issues and topics of the day. You know, the ancient Israelites and the early Christians had the same problem, uh, hence Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. 
in answer to the question, who is my neighbor? And though I wonder if it is overstated, through the media, we are often reminded of the divisions and polarization in our society. You know, the tension, if not outright hostility, between liberals and conservatives, those who live in rural areas and those who live in urban ones, between those who live on the coast and those who live in the so-called middle America. Uh, division and hostility do exist, even though maybe it's overstated, but it does exist. On October 27, 2018, at the Tree of Life Synagogue in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood of Pittsburgh, a man walked in with a gun and killed 11 people and wounded six others. And the man told police, all I want to do is kill Jews. And he may have been motivated by the fact that members of the Tree of Life Synagogue have been helping to resettle refugees in Pittsburgh. And still, in traumatic experiences like this, they were the kind of experiences that can sometimes really bring people together, despite differences. You know, the Squirrel Hill neighborhood, I read, Squirrel Hill neighborhood of Pittsburgh has 28,000 residents, 40% of whom are Jewish. And as the city and neighborhood recovered from this traumatic incident, a family from across the world was going through its own traumatic experience in the same city. A 25-year-old man named Ehab Falah was in the city of Pittsburgh with members of his family to undergo surgery and treatment for a rare form of cancer. And Ehab and his family were Israelis, but they were not Jewish. They were members of the Druze community, D-R-U-Z-E, and they lived in Israel's region of Upper Galilee. Yeah, we've heard of Galilee, we know where that is. Uh, the Druzes are a monotheistic sect making up of only 2% of Israel's population and they speak Arabic. And before the Falahs, that's F-A-L-A-H, uh, before the Falahs arrived in Pittsburgh, a network of support had already been formed for them within the Squirrel Hill neighborhood. An Israeli who didn't know them living in Pittsburgh had heard of the Falahs from a friend he had or she had in Galilee and had found the Falahs a place to stay in Squirrel Hill, a garage apartment belonging to Amy and Michael Bernstein. And this arrangement of, the, the Ehab, of Ehab's mother and father and his siblings staying in the garage apartment as tenants you know, soon changed and evolved into genuine friendships between the Bernstein's children and the Falah's children and Michael and Amy with Ehab's parents, Zaid and Fadila. And then beyond that, Another resident of Squirrel Hill set up a web page on a website which usually uh, provided info and support for Jewish families who had traveled to Pittsburgh uh, for medical treatment. On this web page, people could sign up to provide meals to the, to the Falahs, and some people did, did, of course, did so, and some people even went so far as to research and make traditional Druze meals for the family. Now, despite the medical treatment, Ehab received in Pittsburgh, he did not survive cancer and died uh, six weeks after arriving in the city. Uh, he later had an official funeral in Israel, but his father, Zaid, wanted to have a service in Pittsburgh for all who had come to know Ehab and the family, and it was held in the chapel of a Jewish funeral home. And then the Bernsteins and the Falahs are now like one family. Uh, they, are, they have that ongoing WhatsApp uh, group chat 
they celebrate the achievements and milestones of one another's lives. The Bernsteins traveled to Israel for one celebration and then both families vacationed together in Jordan. And when the Falahs returned to Israel after Ehab had died, his father was asked how they could go through the experience alone in Pittsburgh. And he told them, we never felt alone for one minute. We only felt surrounded by love. If you would like to read the complete story about the Bernsteins and the Falahs, I encourage you to look up The Gift of Ehab Falah in the Washington Post magazine from a couple of weeks ago. And if we want to be near the kingdom of God, it all comes down to love, loving God and loving our neighbor who is made in the image of God. As I said, this is our first and most important value in our, our race, our nationality, our ethnicity, whatever region of the country we live in or from, political party, and even what we believe about Jesus or God is less relevant to our nearness to the kingdom of God than the quality and faithfulness of our love for God and our neighbor. You know, yes, indeed. Through Jesus Christ, we have been freed to love one another. You know, a verse from the letter of Ephesians came to my attention last week as I prepared for the Bible study at the men's breakfast. And in speaking to a Gentile community, the author of Ephesians, he said to them, For Christ is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. So through his death on the cross, Christ destroyed the hostility between both groups, Jews and Gentiles. And I learned that this dividing wall was actually a real place. Uh, the dividing wall mentioned in Ephesians probably referred to the outside wall of the Jewish temple where Jews were warned not to go beyond. They were warned under the penalty of death not to go beyond that wall. And so Christ has broken down that metaphorical wall to create a state of peace, to create unity, to create a new humanity. And that is what Christ has made possible. Through his death on the cross, Christ destroyed the hostility between both groups, Jews and Gentiles. And I would go so far as to say that God, through Jesus Christ, has destroyed the hostility between whatever groups we may have divided ourselves in. You know, Jesus has done the work. The rest is up to us. Whatever divides us is our doing, because Christ has already done the work of bringing us together. So following the good examples of Ruth and Naomi, the good examples of the Bernsteins and the Falahs, may our lives be characterized by loving kindness, by faithfulness, loyalty. And by doing so, we will show forth our willingness to be one people, to be that new humanity that Christ has made possible. And we will be that much nearer to the kingdom of God. Amen.